for days while we were sleeping. This wasn't a random attack, okay, Felix. Okay, okay. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Our family's being. <laughs> front of me were you saying something yeah you know what never mind that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself no be afraid be very afraid there's nothing to fear except god whatever that means to you podcast exploring faith and fear what scares us and what saves us this is the fear of god hello and welcome to the podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us, this is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And you know, he was here a minute ago, but he had to run out to get the car. But he he promised he'd come back. And I have full faith that Reed will honor that promise to return. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you back to our year-long umbrella series, that of 2020. 2020, where we are this year examining 20 films of the last 20 years in, yes, the year 2020, a year that feels like 20 in and of itself. To know more about the intention behind the series, go check out our pre-cap episode from the end of January. Uh, today, we are looking at the year 2011, but I am, as usual, getting ahead of myself because here at The Fear of God, we explore we don't explain, despite how much some of you may want that sometimes. Except for right now, when I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform, you can watch, yes, watch The Fear of God on YouTube, and you can browse The Fear of God on the web at thefearofgodpodcast.com, where you will find episode archives and Podcast merchandise such as cell phone cases, t-shirts, campaign buttons, face masks for the love of your country, wear them, magnets, pillows, read. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Welcome. Hey. What, a, what a wonderful thing to see your lovely face. 
I wish I had uh, like a version, like a version of like an animal mask mm, to put on. That would have not. That would. Uh, that would. That would have been. Yeah. That would have been fun. I mean, at the very least, I could like I could like put up a little. No, that head. doesn't work. That doesn't no, work. it no. doesn't. Mm, no, no. Okay. All right. Well, Riri, okay. we got Fair. a lot to get to today, but first, sure it do. is business time. <laughs> All right. Ignoring all that's not happening right now and just moving right into business time. One, right I've got right. two of them and then you've got one and then I've got another. So real mm-hmm, quick, mm-hmm. this will air from where you and I are talking. It'll air next Tuesday, which time is relative right now for the listener. But what that no means kidding. is two days ago, Lovecraft Country premiered on HBO. Uh, if you're a yes. listener to the show, you might know about a month ago. I, at this point, I can't exactly remember when we featured Matt Ruff. <laughs> Uh, author of the novel Lovecraft Country, which has been adapted into a series on HBO. I am very excited about that read. I know you are very excited about oh, that as absolutely. well. Foggers, yes. get to Lovecraft Country. Uh, share your thoughts. Um, we will, uh, we are, we are going to attempt to have Matt back on, uh, perhaps once the first season is over. So that's Lovecraft Country. Love the that. other thing I want to discuss real quick, Reed, we have been so negligent for one of our dear faithful foggers Mm. um our favorite canadian her new instagram series is over at the fogstagram that's not a thing the fear of god instagram (laughs) we have been unintentionally so but rather still quite remiss in neglecting to mention this but want to majorly make up for that here foreign correspondent and all-around renaissance woman vera gowdy also counts uh julia child level skill in the kitchen amongst her talents and has been treating us to a monthly series called Gory Gourmet. Reed, this is amazing. Are you? It's, I don't know if you're keeping oh, up with these, but oh, absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh! Um, I haven't tried to make any of them. Yeah, because I'm yeah. too intimidated. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna need a uh, fear of God nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> nailed it, Gory Gourmet style. Um, oh Vera and her kitchen helpers create ghoulish but gorgeous horror-themed delicacies, such as Evil Dead Pizza, Brain Cake, which actually just makes me throw up a little bit in my mouth, just hit the words together, <laughs> something about it. It's really beautiful to behold on the Instagram, but it's just not a pleasant combination of words. Um, and Brain. most, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most recently, she made, uh, in honor of the film Ghostbusters, Slimer Cupcakes. Riri, it is an undeserved so awesome. gift. She offers to us each month. And if we it ever were to print true. like a cookbook, all the proceeds will go to her. Um, all of them. Yeah. Well, all the recipes would be populated by her. So right. absolutely. that's what I'm saying. Yes. I, I will say that say I, I think I am going to attempt this Halloween. I think I might attempt the Evil Dead pizza. I yeah. might. That I sounds might. like something yeah. up your alley. Pizza. Yeah. Because I, yeah. Necronomicon. Just, just one night. Exactly. Yeah. yeah Necronomicon. Yeah. Necronom nom 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 nom. <laughs> so yeah. yes, uh, I, I'm I'm planning to attempt that, I, and then maybe we'll have our first fear of God nailed it. <laughs> Isn't it bonkers that Halloween is like two months away? That's that's crazy to me. It's, no, that's that's as awesome as it is like terrible. Like it where well, what, a, that's, what a year. I know it's just mm. uh, yeah, it's incredible. Um, but what do you got? 
the very next thing I want to mention is if you've listened to our show for any degree of time, maybe for the last couple of months, maybe for the last few years, we're coming up uh, I, like very, very soon, within the next couple of weeks, we are going to be at our four-year anniversary. Oh, my gosh. And and also rapidly approaching our 200th episode, which is also a crazy What's thing. What's the countdown? Do you know? This is uh, 191, I believe. Uh, No. Yeah. This might be 200. Mm. No, no, no. This episode is not 200. Is it not? I can't remember because I can't do math in my head. But but we are close. It's 191. It's Oh, it's 191? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you're just um, saying that now to I, agree with me. You're saying you're, you're You know so, what? You're just I'm a very agreeable what? person. <laughs> You are. You are. So, um, so no, what we want you to do, what we want you to do is, uh, if the show has meant anything, uh, substantive to you, uh, or even if it hasn't, um, we want you to, um, select an episode, select, uh, the show itself or a quote from a show or whatever. We want you to share that to your social media feeds in a, a, a contest we're calling sharing is caring and uh what we want you to do is just sort of blast out what you love about the show uh what keeps you coming back uh we want to just get word of mouth out because that's the best way we've asked for itunes reviews and we've asked for all those things and those things are great keep them coming but uh the best way to tell people about the show is to actually just tell people about the show so we want you to share that uh to the social media feed of your choice instagram facebook twitter whatever and then uh we also want you to email us uh specifically you can email questions you can email you know favorite things about 2020 maybe the series we're in uh maybe uh, you know a suggestion or anything thoughtful questions thoughtful thank you questions. for you know who that who you are thoughtful question recently yes yes recently we had just a just uh, uh, i wasn't directly engaged in the exchange but loved reading the exchange because of how human and heartfelt and sensitive it was and it was it was just wonderful so uh so yes by all means email us your questions and uh we would love to have dialogue back and forth with you that way so uh sharing is caring share the show through the end of august through the end of august sorry i forgot to mention that so just through the end of august um by sharing if you tag us because you got to tag us by sharing you will automatically be entered into a contest for a free fear of god t-shirt so, yep. uh, we've had a couple cool, cool instances of that recently. Thank you for that, Riri. Um, lastly, on the business time countdown here. And by the way, yes, I was right. This episode featuring your next is episode 191 wow. of our standard episodes. The countdown is fully in effect. Nine more to go. 200. Wow. That's um, intimidating. Yeah, we should just really phone it in because, you know, just too much expectation. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, yeah. Um, audience, what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to, Riri, these are amazing. <laughs> it's not often I will own when I'm dumb, but it was really dumb of us to not have the idea, you know, a year and a half ago. It was, it, these to, have been to fantastic. crowdsource some of these. They have been. We'll get to one of those in a minute. But meanwhile... It, this is ongoing. There is no ceiling. There's no time limit on no. being able to submit these. Yeah. Um, if you've got a fun idea, just do it. Do it. Um, you've uh, Listeners, you've gotten a taste of a couple of these recently. Um, we are uh, amassing a listener, uh, listener database of renditions of the What You're Watching jingle. Uh, go back and listen to, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, you can see timestamps on episodes probably, you know, within uh, about three months and back. Just because we've been playing a little, uh, little differently this 
latter part of this middle part of the year. Um, but what we want is you to get that jingle. You can put your own spin on the tune. Uh, just, you know, have it loosely, at least, uh, uh, sound like the jingle, uh, whether by lyric or tune. Um, it doesn't have to be you. Uh, you can be you. It can be your family member. It can be your kids. It can be your coworkers on your Zoom meeting. Uh, whoever. Um, use your voice memo recorder. Something equally easy. It is not hard. Email it to the fear of Go- fear of God podcast, not the fear of God podcast. No right? the on it. The Gmail. There's a the on the website. There but is the email. There's no the. You you should also know that there's also a URL that is no the on the website. It is both mm-hmm. fear and the fear. You, it, wow. It'll get you there. Yeah, it's specific we, got a lot of parking, we got a lot of parking spaces. Um, <laughs> so email it to fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. We will use it on the show and credit you. That is it for business time. <laughs> hey, do we want to do... Um, uh, w- do you want to go ahead and do what you're watching while we're here? Why don't we, you know what? We just talked we about it. Why don't, we why, don't did. We, why don't we give them a little we taste? We did. And here it is. Here it is. Here is a very recent... What you watching? I'm going to turn my volume up so everyone can hear it. What? Nathan and Reed just sitting on a couch trying to find out what life is all about. Got to watch and read and listen to what you watch and read and listening to. Nathan and Reed sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-A. No, no, no. <laughs> that is truly amazing and uh maybe maybe read it's maybe maybe they're signaling that something we didn't realize was ever present that people have a perception of here but you know whatever we'll go with it <laughs> you know, new year new year new you um that ladies and gentlemen uh we referenced them when we first started doing this was asia and j mark schwarzentruber man guys you gotta tell me if i'm getting that wrong but <laughs> That is husband and wife. And this is so fun, Riri. Like, one, they sent us two. They sent us yes. two yeah, renditions. Yeah, yeah. That one, and then a super alternate version. But uh, they are ground zero for this whole idea because one day they had recorded themselves on video and posted to Facebook and tagged us of just them about to watch Halloween, I think. I, I no. actually think it was The Omen. They were about to watch The Omen. That's it. That's it. Oh, man. And, <laughs> oh, man. and I just got so tickled. And I showed my wife, and she was like, wait a minute, y'all are for real? <laughs> you graduated? When did you? No, she she just thought you and I have been talking to each other. Just does it for three plus years. So, yeah, my wife, you know, she she was like, oh, wow, y'all leveled up. Um, wow. So, yes, it was really awesome. Gave us the inspiration to do what we're doing right now, which is asking you guys for your own renditions. Um, Riri, what you been watching so i went there's there's like three or four things that i wanted to mention but i'm, I'm going to mention That's the one lot. that brings the most no no no, no. i'm only going to mention one i'm going to mention the one that is bringing the most delight yeah, to my heart at I the moment is it to say what's it because boy on disney plus two episodes now oh my gosh <laughs> muppets now <laughs> the new the new half hour muppets show what I love so much about it, because I've always been a fan of the Muppets, but I admittedly, when ABC tried to resurrect a primetime show not that long ago, they they shifted up the concept a little bit. It was it was still kind of a. I never even got to that one. Oh really? Uh, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's got its moments, but there's there's one big misfire for it uh, that I'll just briefly mention. They were trying to introduce what they thought I think would be an interesting idea, um, but in it, Miss Piggy and Kermit are on the outs. They're broken up. 
And so uh, it was, it, it, it made for some weird dynamics. So, um, but Muppets Now, the new, the new iteration of the show, mm-hmm. um, it, uh, and, and the old, ver- the one that I just referenced, uh, uh, ABC's version of just called The Muppets is available on Disney Plus as well. And it, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's completely watchable and it's got some really charming episodes. I think. Did the, it have a whole season? The, Yes, one full season of like okay. 13 episodes, but like, you know, right. one full regular season. Uh, I believe it's the penultimate episode, if not the finale. There's an episode that centers around Gonzo that is really fantastic, but that was really the, the highlight of the show. There's a lot of things about the show that just didn't quite, quite work as well as it, it could have or should have. But Muppets Now, I don't know if you remember, but the, you know, the original 70s version of it was a variety show. And, right. and so you have, Kermit and Scooter running around. Scooter's the stage manager. Kermit's obviously the host. And so they're all running around and you've got all of the players running around backstage, antics with the guests and things like that. So what I love about Muppets Now is Muppets Now is really like the digital upload version of that same thing. Like every episode is just they're uploading a new variety show with different segments and and it's really cute and really charming. But the, the one that just warms my heart, I mean, I love, I absolutely love the whole thing. But the two segments that have been repeated in both episodes, um, in second place for me, though it's fantastic, is uh, Lifestyle, and then it throws, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Lifestyle Piggy, on the thing. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Piggy segment her, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh my God, I did not know how badly my life needed okie dokie cooking. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's hysterical. It It is one of the most delightful things. And this most recent as of this recording, this most recent episode I've seen, uh, it's the second episode, the one where he's cooking. Danny Trejo. Yeah, Danny Trejo. He's cooking tacos, uh, you know, versus Danny Trejo. And then, like... Mole the, tacos, to be <laughs> Mole tacos. Yeah. And then, like, the, the, the turkey who's, like, the host of that little segment is like, oh, introducing some spice, right? And she's like, well, you better want to have some gloves. And the first moment that I just cackled out loud is when he, he mocks her. He's like, ooh, this PC? Ooh, this PC? <laughs> and, and then, you know, she, she looks around and she's just like, okay, fine. What, you know, whatever Swedish chef. But then later he goes, ooh. And then like opens up his hands and he's got all the, all the peppers, the peppers on, his, on his fingers. Yeah. It is so great. But then, of course, it goes where you would expect it to go. And yes, he starts being, you know, like really overwhelmed with the spice. But that whole that whole segment is just, it's oh, hysterical. my gosh, it is so funny. So, yes, I am loving Muppets now on Disney Plus. If you are even a remote fan of the Muppets, you got to check it out because it's hysterical. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I would echo that. <clears throat> We've watched the first two episodes Ookie Dookie Cookin has become a routine saying in our house now in the species. Species. Um, and it's so. See, I have fond memories of the Muppets, but it's more that, well, I guess it makes sense coming from me, that kind of hazy. Like, I don't, I don't have any sort of recollection of specific episodes or gags from the sh- original show but yeah i mean muppets was was rampant in our home um so i my did- favorite from the original was pigs in space that was just sure like, yeah yeah that makes that. sense coming from you um <laughs> but I, I it's been so long since i've seen the characters in a sustained iteration like this that there's something so dissonant about the swedish chef's human hands you know it's just such yes. a weird like 
thing. Um, and I don't know, but, but it, they use it to expert effect. And that, yes, that segment has been the highlight of each episode. Granted, yeah, so the, the uh, face massage in, in pigsty, the first episode was, <laughs> we, we got a lot of laughs out of. <laughs> that was the funniest thing. We rewound it. Like when it happened, every once in yeah. a while, something in an episode or a movie will be so funny. You have to just stop everything and yeah. just back yeah. up. 45 up, seconds to up. see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God. That was, back that, yeah. The back slap massage. Yes. <laughs> the <laughs> slap massage in the first episode with Tay Diggs was just the funniest thing. It was so good. I'll, I'll do a quick, uh, a quick what you hear. We did finish, um, we finished, since everyone cares deeply, we finished defending Jacob. Um, <laughs> myself we're included. We just yeah, yeah. it together, the little segments of like, so I started it. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan Stakes on defending Jacob. Meh, meh. It's okay. <laughs> Okey dokey Jacob. Defending the Jacob. So the last two episodes are, they're actually good. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't raise the whole affair to like worth your time. Um, okay. But having spent time watching the show, by the time it got to the last two and what I texted you was this should have been a feature. Um, it did not merit eight episodes or however many it was. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's been another episode of defending the Jacob. What? Nate's in a read, just sitting on a couch, trying to find out what life is all about. Gotta watch and read and listen to what you watch and read and listening to. Ayy! Nathan and Reed sitting in a tree. K I S S I N A. That's not fun. That ain't right. That was so. Oh, that, what, what's awesome? I did it again. <laughs> Play it again. Encore. Reread. Oh, so funny read all right that's been that was business time that was what you're watching riri it's we we've had a tumultuous time in jarden but it is time to go back to the polls that is right friends and foggers Mm -hmm. voting Mm -hmm. has ended your non-sabotaged mail-in ballots have been given the necessary and appropriate time to be counted without stress strain or undue scrutiny and it is time to visit the results of the ballots cast for the top 10 Listener voted horror films of 2011 with the one, the only, Lackey the Listicle, my occasionally listless list-making Lackey. Welcome back! <laughs> Hello. Who's <laughs> 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 Hell um, stupid. So, yes, uh, listeners. I love, you- I love that you, some, that you know to just sometimes let me go. You're like, because <laughs> you, you tried there. You didn't know I had a little bit there. And you started no. to try, and you're like, nah, he, he clearly wants this one. <laughs> I'm just going to yield. Just yield. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so, um, yes, you voted on your top 10 of 2011. That is where we were up to. Uh, if we stay on schedule, which we certainly expect to, then we will be going all the way through 2020 before the year is out. Um, so... Uh, your top 10 of 2011 is going to be revealed right now. Nathan, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Do you want... <laughs> That's a Pee you... Big Adventure quote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want... Um, yes. Evens? Or do you want odds? Um, you can... Quickly scouring the list. It's to your see choice. What he wants to your talk choice. <laughs> 
such a loaded question. Okay, so uh, yeah. I w- I will take odds. Wrong answer. <laughs> you don't want that? You wait. You want? That? I'm right. kidding. I'm kidding. No, evens it is. The top ten horror of 2011. Do you have any more preface you wanted to do? Nope, we're good. Let's dive okay. in. Listeners know it by now. Number ten by our favorite Mike Flanagan, featured a year ago, two years ago. Who can say at this point on Flannel Graph Flanagan? This movie wasn't, but he, the director, was Absentia, which I still have not mm-hmm. seen. It's one of the few films that we haven't covered on on Fog of his because we covered, you know, Hill House and Oculus, and obviously did a whole series on him covering, you know, uh, uh, Before You Wake or Before I Wake and. Uh, Gerald's game and all these. So, um, but it's Absentia is really Dr. good. Doctor Sleep, yeah, absolutely. Um, Absentia is really good. Uh, it uh, features a brief role from Doug Jones, um, but um, mm. but it is. I mean, you'll feel the understated and slightly low budget nature of it, but it's a really effective little little creeper. And I think as of this recording, it is. I believe it's available to stream on Shutter for the curious. But yes, Absentia, I like it a lot. His stronger work is some of the later works, but it's good. It's 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 worth seeking out if you're a fan of his material in general. So, uh, number nine is the fourth installment in one of the best slasher franchises in the horror community. It is Scream 4, which was, in fact, Wes Craven's final film. Uh, wow. Yes. That, uh, is Scream- it any good? I like it a lot. I like it significantly better than uh, three. The ranking of them for me is my favorite in the series is actually part two, then closely followed by part one. Scream four is only just like a notch below Scream one for me. And then huh. Scream three is is a pretty big step down. But um, but no, I liked Scream four quite you a bit. You didn't think Jay and Silent Bob elevated the proceedings? Uh, in Scream three? No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> So, um, but uh, one brief interesting story. So we have a friend. I won't name the friend for reasons that'll be obvious in a second. But we have a friend who's uh, <laughs> mysterious. In, <laughs> no, no, no. She's a she's a nurse, um, and uh, particularly, if I'm remembering correctly, in the field of radiology. So for, you know, like uh, helping with chemo patients and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, I remember because she used to come to our small group, uh, we don't have a, a, this same small group anymore. Um, but when she attended, I remember her saying, uh, basically alluding to like, yeah, occasionally some famous people come. And then she even mentioned like, yeah, I've even seen some people that might be a big deal to you read. And not long after he passed away, she had revealed that, that, uh, Wes Craven was one of the patients that she had seen and hmm. uh and and said he was a you know incredibly sweet man and and just uh you know always very kind to the staff and everything that uh and and but that was uh that's always going to stick in my memory is a little bit like oh hmm. but uh but yeah scream 4 was his final film i like scream 4 a lot you still as of this recording haven't seen scream 4 okay uh that was when oh <laughs> i literally was about to be like when did that one come out <laughs> oh, 2002 <laughs> oh <laughs> scream uh, yeah, yeah no i, I have love, not seen scream for i love that species is gonna be like <laughs> it's gonna be the little like oh, i messed up yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> um so no, uh, i have not seen scream for uh, you should check it out, particularly if you liked one and is two. Is that the last one? It, it, yeah, they're making Scream 5 right now. 
Uh, well, I don't. I mean, they're obviously not filming it now, but it's in development. From if the if the internet rumors are to be believed, Courtney Cox is set to reprise her role as um, as Gail. As Gail. Um, but uh, but yeah, it is in development. Uh, obviously, under the helm of a different director, whom it escapes me at the moment who they got attached to direct it. But I don't know. But I do know that at number eight, mm-hmm. Riri, mm-hmm. on the top ten horror of 2011 is the Innkeepers which is the union that the gentleman who shooed Mary and Joseph away was a part of. Mm-hmm. And just the horror that befalls, you know, it's a very human story uh, about him coming to them <laughs> to tell the story. And they're like, wait, what? And then they just cast him out. It's mm-hmm. a whole thing. Uh, yeah. Ty West directed it. 2011. Yes. It's good stuff. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, kind of spiritual Christian horror, you know, that's it's not, it's not though. And it just, the tagline was just, there really was no room. <laughs> No room. <laughs> Move on. Um, so, yeah. Innkeepers Clearly, is I've really, seen this one. Right, exactly. Innkeepers is a, a really effective little ghost story. Um, if you like Ty West uh, and his particular sensibilities. Uh, that name rings a bell. What's, what's... His other big one, like, he sort of kick, kicked the door down with a film called House of the Devil. Um, mm. And then uh, he made another film called The Sacrament, which I actually haven't seen as of this recording. Um, and I think his name has been attached from time to time to some higher profile things, but I am remiss to remember them at the moment. Um, what always mm. sticks in my mind about this is I have seen Innkeepers, and I like Innkeepers a lot. Um, it's it's a really effective kind of ghost story. So if you like really good creeper ghost stories, you should check out Innkeepers because it's really understated. You and do it's, know it's literally every time in life you use the word creeper, I think of Arnold saying Jeepers Creepers. Like That's it just happens. Great. Like it. <laughs> You can't say it and it not pop in my head. Like speaking of speaking of Wes Craven in the hospital in your memory. Um, what's number seven, Reed? Number seven. Um, I think honestly, if purely we were, nonfiction, <laughs> right? If we were to have made this poll last year, I wonder if this would have made the list. But so many people have seen it, given current you know conditions. Um, it is the Steven Soderbergh directed Contagion. Uh, obviously from 2011. It stars a host of people. Kate Winslet mm-hmm. and Gwyneth Paltrow's in it for like Matt a minute. Damon. Matt Damon's in it. Um, Did you say Matt Damon? That's like his... <laughs> this his... is the horror, but this is the horror, right, right. horror version. Matt <laughs> Damon. Matt Damon is, Matt Damon is PC. <laughs> <laughs> so, he won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> what you didn't know <laughs> is that he made the pact with the devil. Matt um, Damon. That's a good movie. I mean... It's mm-hmm. no, it's it's dreadful, especially but it's, it's, scary now. But yeah, it is, and um, of course, it was watched heavily as the coronavirus pandemic was unloading. Um, but uh, but it does carry a profound degree of resonance now, which is why I think it made this list. Uh, but it, but that having been said, it is an effective film in its own right, regardless. Like it's just it it is a really well made film. I saw it in pretty close proximity to its release and, and, mm-hmm. and for what it was highly enjoyed it. So, uh, number six is starring Finn. Yes. Uh, attack the block directed by Joe Bagoya? Cornish. Is that his name? Did you say Bagoya? No, <laughs> that's not correct. That will stay in the episode. Bayona. No, 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 no. Nope. I'm not even gonna, no. <laughs> I'm not even gonna tell you what it is now. I'll just let you wallow in your incorrectness. Um, listen, you have trouble with memories. Yeah, I have trouble with names. Yeah, you do. <laughs> That's true. That's true. John Bayega, not Bagoya. Bayega. 
That's Rod Blagojevich, this shamed public not servant. (laughs) Um, So, you know, what's really stinks, Reed, but is also cool, is there are movies I have an interest in watching, but I hold out thinking we'll get to it at some point. And this is one of those. Like, But my concern at this point is those like it are going to suffer by the time I get to them of... Now you've waited so long, expectation is high. So, mm, regardless, fair enough. I've not watched Attack the Block partly because I thought we're going to get to it, and we haven't yet. Mm-hmm. So maybe soon. So I won't say too much about it just to save your experience for it. It's really fun. I like it a lot. Uh, the creature design is unique and really, really effective. The creature, the creature design on it is pretty fantastic. Uh, it's got this like weird shadowy kind of uh you know hypnotic thing it's really really good so that's my biggest hmm. that's my biggest thumbs up for attack the block although well, it's clearly got some, it's not for the actors just because i can't remember the name don't mean i don't respect <laughs> the actors in the thing what's, right what's next Riri? okay so next on the list is your number five we it was fear of god episode 77 plus uh, a little bonus episode uh, for one of our Fear of God test pilot episodes. It was directed by Lynn Ramsey. We need to talk about Kevin. So uh, go to episode 77 and hear all of our thoughts about that. You know, as a random note here, um, you would probably know this from having read the book, as you mentioned previously, uh, Defending Jacob has a lot of Kevin echoes to it. Mm. Um, oh, it yes, do- it yes. doesn't ultimately land in the exact same place, but the whole... Correct you know, troubled kid, possibly committing heinous crime type thing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Number four is, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you get me laughing, Riri, and I just, you know, I can't, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's something <laughs> physiological. <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> Similar effect um, is uh, the gray directed by Joe Carnahan starring uh, Qui-Gon Jinn himself. Um, True. Or True bad cop, is that his <laughs> name in, in like a movie? Something like uh, that. Yeah, like good cop, bad cop. I don't remember, but um, yeah. So, so uh, there were times in the preparation for this episode that your gray, or the your gray, <laughs> the gray was <laughs> the we're out of control up in here. It's true. Was the potential episode that we were going to cover because it was really high on the list, and it's I mean still at number four is still pretty high on the list. Um, this is a film that I very, very much love. All I will say about it, it's a, a plane crashes in the Arctic wilderness. That's kind of a survivalist film. I will say, if you've been tracking it's not with... Kind of our, it is. That's what it is. Yes. Right. It's, I mean, yeah. It, it's... Pro- yes. Don't stop <laughs> me for stuff like that. <laughs> so, um, the uh, if you are tracking with the uh, series that we've been doing on The Leftovers about learning how to lose... Uh, the gray uh, was, and and uh, it's doubtful that it'll actually receive coverage under it, but it fits in line very well with the thematics of what we've been dealing with on The Leftovers. And I think it's a very, very strong film. Um, and so I highly, highly recommend The Gray. I think it's, uh, it, it's really something that you ought to check out. It's very different, largely uh, probably not what you're expecting, uh, particularly from the trailers. It's not at all like what the trailers, you know, sort of indicate. But... Uh yeah, so check out The Gray directed by Joe Carnahan. Uh yeah, I've seen The Gray. I saw it once in the theater and I I don't know why, um but I thought it was just okay and then uh, something about online discourse after it made me 
be a little more negative than neutral towards it. I don't exactly remember because uh, gotcha. yeah. it was nine years ago. And, uh, but yes, that is the gray read. You're next. Yeah. Uh, that's it. You're next. So, uh, no, 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 you, <laughs> no, you, you do what? No, no. You're, uh, so anyway, <laughs> what we're hinting at, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure, uh, we will have lots of, uh, little puns like this. Number three on the list is our featured coverage for today. Um, it is the film that we will be discussing very soon, uh, directed by Adam Wingard. It is your next. So just stay tuned for the actual episode uh, to hear all of our thoughts on that. So, Nathan, what's number two? Uh, number two is Take Shelter, directed by Jeff Nichols. Uh, one of my maybe top ten films of all time. I don't know if you'd rank it that high for yourself, but I know you have great respect for it. Uh, I love this it's film. Wonderful. We discussed it uh, on episode 54 in a very, uh, probably one of our... I mean, one of my favorite episodes and conversations we've done, because in part, I love our conversations and I love this film. Yeah, it's uh, I, I have so much affection for the conversation we had coming out of that episode and for this film. I absolutely love it. I was not surprised, but was genuinely very delighted that it made number two. So take shelter by Jeff, Jeff Nichols. And that means that number one, honestly, when I saw what the lineup was, this didn't completely shock me. And it was number one. Take shelter gave it some heat. But it was pretty definitively the number one. Um, it was our episode 16, going way back in the day, directed by Drew Goddard. Uh, it is The Cabin in the Woods. That is your number one favorite horror film of 2011. But before we move in, that was your list of uh, the top favorite <sighs> horror films of 2011. But before we move in to our discussion about your next, which ranked number three, Nathan, pull up the box office hit i shall i forgot now this is fun i mean i pulled it up but um i had not looked at it ah anna <laughs> oh man these are getting more so of the same um <laughs> the more things change the more they stay the, same. stay the same um so yes we like to in these 2020 2020 episodes go look at that year's worldwide box office and see where things fell. Um, 2011. Uh, usually I like to highlight if there's anything from the top 10 outside the top five that's worth mentioning. There isn't. Um, number five on the list is Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I believe that's the Brad Bird installment. Uh, um, film. Is that the the desert, the desert building when he's on the outside and the standstorm comes through? Maybe they all bleed together now. They do. They do. <laughs> I've actually never seen the JJ one. I've heard it's good though. Oh, it um, is good. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, number four is uh, I know you were especially fond of this film, so it's kind of cool that it ranked this high. That would be the Twilight Saga Breaking <laughs> Breaking Dawn Part One. What a oh, stupid like Twilight. It's like it's like. Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. It's like oh, the, wow. the amount of words we throw into these things. Like, the Twilight Saga breaking Dawn Part 1. A. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and next year. That was like... The Twilight uh, Saga breaking Dawn Part 1. B. Not to be th- not to be thrown into the lump sum with all the rest of the Twilight films, but that was... I heard those jokes a lot when the Planet of the Apes films were going on. Because sure. it was like, yeah. Dawn of the Planet of the yeah. Apes of the... War. Of the, Rise. <laughs> of the War of the Face. Those are you know, like, amazing yeah. films. But those are not those are Twilight. Those are great. Those are, those are outstanding funny, films. Funny story. My 11-year-old recently was on a 
like a FaceTime with one of her peers. And I don't, I have not met this peer. Um, so I don't know anything about them other than they were trying to tell her that the Twilight films were things she should watch. And, and she was like, you know, what are those? And I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that you know, from, nope. from the next room. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hang up. Nope. <laughs> right. I can't just pull the cord out of the phone anymore. Um, number three on the list. So it was mission impossible. It's so sad. Like there isn't a single original film in this top five. Mm-hmm. Um, so mission impossible ghost protocol, twilight soccer breaking down part one, number three <laughs> pirates, the Car- Caribbean on stranger teeds. I mean, what else is there to say? It's like, how many times? What, is that the third one? I don't even know, man. Like, who can keep uh, up with this junk? Fourth one? I don't know. Okay. Who cares? Uh, number two, Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Oh, my gosh. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they should have stopped with the the animated feature from the 80s. That's some good stuff. Yes. I love yes. that. That was yeah, going oh, all Robin's the way back Prime. in the day. Yeah. Oh man. And then and kill him what? off. Yeah. Kill him they, off. Well they call it Optimus and he became Rodimus, right? That's right. Rodimus yes. was yes. the second iteration. Yeah, he was this, yes, the race the right. sports car. Um <laughs> number one is from the two thousand eleven Worldwide Box Office, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. I'm not surprised that's number one. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it's like we're getting into mess. where the, se- <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> sequels and franchises are going to be kind of the top uh, pit of it. But one thing, I want, one observation I want to make, and maybe this will sort of pivot us into your next, about the list in general. I was looking at, back through it while you were reading over the, the top uh, box office. And this feels like this is the year of like unconventional horror. Like... I like the ones that made the top 10 this year. I mean, you look at Cabin in the Woods is is straightforward, but Take Shelter is not a traditional horror film. Neither is The Grey, neither is We Need to Talk About Kevin, neither is Contagion. Uh, uh, Absentia and Innkeepers are definitely in the wheelhouse of horror, but they're very understated. They're very character driven. And so um, it's just interesting to me that this is a year where there's a lot of things in the fear realm in terms of filmmaking and storytelling that aren't conventional you know monster slasher uh, uh sort of things they're they're more psychological and again more character driven um, so i just found that to be really really interesting but then number three on the list was directed by adam wingard and it is your next um have you seen so the the other big films from adam wingard that i've seen are he did Blair Witch, the oh. the yeah the not, the sequel not the project right? Um, he did the sequel, which I remember. I don't know if you remember the marketing behind that, but that was genius marketing because the, for his for his yes. Okay, because, no. I think we commented on this in the our episode on the Blair Witch Project, um, but it was for the longest time it was called The Woods, and they, they had all the publication filming of it, everything. It was called The Woods. And then I know you're not meaning to. You are confusing me so bad. What? Which movie? Blair. Not Witt. Project. Right. Not so Winger's Winger's film was called The Woods. Like it was actually called The Woods, or it was in pre-production, like as a secret, called The Woods. It was in pre-production, filming everything, <laughs> secret, called The Woods. And then it was ready. It was edited. It was filmed. It was pre-screened for critics as The Woods, but 
when they get there, they walk in. There's a mock movie poster that says The Woods. They get in, and then from the beginning, it is then revealed as this big surprise that it was a Blair Witch sequel. That was that was hidden from all of the marketing, from all of everything else, until critics and audiences saw the first screening of it. And then it was kind of cool because um, a buddy of mine had a critic friend who went to that first screening and said when they walked out, all the movie posters had been changed to the eventual Blair Witch thing. Creepy. So it was just it was just a surprise to that audience. Is it good? Have you seen it? I liked it a lot. Time has not been very kind to it. It this is This was recent. This was it like was what? Recent. 4 years ago. 16. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um but it was actually uh so I enjoyed it a lot, but it is super dependent upon jump scares, which a lot of people didn't like and didn't add a substantive amount to the conversation on the Blair Witch Project. It also didn't use the technological advancements that it had um, to its best effect. It's kind of just more of the same with a new sheen. Uh, it looks a little bit better because the cameras that they're using are better and stuff. But so is that watchable. So it's just Project Book of Shadows and this? And that yes. one? Is that the only three? Yeah, Blair? I think there was a... Not, if you want to... You know, there's the Facts of Life. Like, yeah. That you one. That one. Um, right. There's a, there's also the uh, there was like a documentary uh, that was like a made for TV thing that I don't think was I, I don't know that it really went anywhere like Secrets of the Blair Witch or something but oh. um but the other thing that Adam Wingard made is he made the Netflix original um, live action adaptation of the anime series Death Note which I saw and having never seen the original anime series, I liked it a lot, but boy, it got skewered. Like it just, it, hmm. it just got eviscerated by, uh, by people. The other major one, uh, before I sh- shut up and we can talk about your next is, um, he did also direct, uh, the guest, which was written also by the writer hmm. of, that's a, it's a handsome fellow in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the guest, uh, of course, starring, uh, Old, old Matthew from from Downton Abbey. Um, um, his name's escaped. Dan Stevens. So, uh, <laughs> I'm like, wow, you're right. You, you struggle with those. <laughs> Shut up. So, um, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it was directed by Adam Wingard, written by Simon Barrett, which this film was as well. Um, they also participated in the anthology films VHS. Um, but all of that out of the way, have you seen this film or any of the other Adam Wingard films that I mentioned before. You saw The Guest, right? You've seen The Guest. I, I have seen The Guest. Yes. It's a good one. Dashing, piercing blue eyes. <laughs> um, but this was your no, first time I, seeing your next, right? I, it was. Mm-hmm. Right. The Aussies, the Kiwis are going to save us in the end. You know, it's like <laughs> Peter Jackson, The Hobbit, Flight of the Concords, Jojo Rabbit, you know, Hawker. I want to dance like a hawker. I want to do that. Bill Kemp, Jacinda Arden, and now oh. Aaron, the survivalist. What? Oh my gosh. It's, they're going to save us. We just need Please. that whole, we need like an Avengers Please. of all of them together. Please. Please. <laughs> Please. Oh my gosh. We're so terrible oh. to each other. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So now this is the first time I've seen your next. And do you want to just jump in or do you have other? Uh, yeah. I mean. Uh, and by jump in, I mean, give you, we want me to give you some, some feedback. Well, yes, I would like to know what you thought of your next very much. So, uh, I will say this. Actually, I think my only real dislike is the beginning. Um, oh, interesting. Like the opening. I think, 
Yeah, the teaser. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think in this instance, I don't think this for all instances of this. I think in this instance, the nudity is pretty gratuitous and and unnecessary. Um, uh, yes, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I think it just it sets to me for as spoiler alert as sort of fun as I ended up as as much fun as I ended up having with the film. It had a a little hill to climb after that scene. Sure, I was just I like, okay, uh, I don't know, man. And what's funny is I remembered you and I on maybe last week on the the liftovers, um, discussing these two lists, uh, eleven and twelve, mm-hmm. and maybe it's twelve because I've seen a lot of eleven. I couldn't remember. I was like, okay, well, is this off? I didn't see the 2011 top 10 list before watching your next. So the, your next starts and I'm like, okay, well, is this the year Reed was talking about? That was pretty shrift just because I, I, I just found the beginning. It's not that it's poorly crafted. It just felt for what the movie ends up doing and being kind of pointless, uh, in for what it shows. I Um, do agree. Like, and in fact, did you see, I think, I even saw in the trivial bits on IMDb that there was a, a, a man and his dog kind of murder that happens yes. in the first cut yes. or something. Mm-hmm. And they, and so it, I don't know, it just had this like, okay, come on y'all. Like that's it. Yeah. So I, I did, I didn't care for the beginning. Um, literally yeah, not only is it like ultimately irrelevant to everything, literally the only purpose it serves is to have a fright raising when that one character and I'm talking about struggling with names. I'm going to struggle with names and for all these family members, oh, but yeah. um, the, the, the one that runs to try to get yeah. in touch with the neighbor. Amy. Uh, uh, yes. Um, no, no. Amy runs out the door. This is Helen. Is it Helen? Ke- what? Kelly? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I wish listeners in. couldn't see your face. Like, it's like, you're just, Picking female names, you know, out of the air, like Susan. Uh, Becky. Yeah, but pretty- <laughs> give me another white girl name. You know, it's like just <laughs> like, oh, there's God. so many of them. Karen. Um, so, um, but so basically, like, it's just an opportunity for her to yeah, get- Kelly. It's Kelly. Yeah. Okay. For for her to get the stakes raised. That's that's the only purpose that that serves. Well, it's, it's all- I don't even mind. Yeah. Ultimately, you are correct. Um, I don't mind that it's meant to be kind of a red herring for us, the viewer. Um, I don't even mind that in, in the text of the film, it's meant to be a trying to establish a serial killer idea. It just the actual scene itself, which is sure. What is clearly a teen female character and, or not barely 20 uh, sex scene with an older man with mm-hmm. no context attached to it. She walks around basically naked and then gets killed. And it's, it's just, it was just like, eh, this is a weird, this is not. Yeah. No, I don't disagree um, at all. Again, I, if the movie weren't as good as I found it to be, I would have just said, Oh, well, it's just kind of part of the whole, but right. sure. yeah. the rest of the film starts to rise to the occasion. And it just kind of leaves that, languishing and on the front end so anyway that that really is my only dislike um the only the only uh diving into the film i'll say unless you just want to but that i texted you this i said i kind of love that i thought i was settling in for a slow paced 
one murder at a time, quiet narrative. In fact, like that's, I thought that's right, what this was. Right. I was yeah, like, right. Okay. Well, it's probably going to be a little slow and, you know, <laughs> okay. Well, that opening scene was kind of gratuitous. And, all right. Here we go. And then the 25 minute mark dinner scene happens. You're like, blah, blah, blah. uh, okay. We are off to the races. This is not what I thought was happening. And I just love that the energy just shoots straight up in the, oh, in the it film. really does. And then doesn't really stop. Then from no, there, you've doesn't. got a couple of like breaths of quiet scenes, but they are only that. They're just pauses in the midst of some pretty propulsive action. Um, I don't know if you noticed. Well, I don't know if you read this in Trivial Bits. You wouldn't have known this in the watching of it because you probably wouldn't have researched this already. But um, the man at the dinner table who stands up and gets the first like arrow yeah. to the to the head. Tariq. Uh, yeah, Tariq. He is uh, Ty West, director of uh, The Innkeepers. Oh. Yes. Uh, oh, huh. So, and uh, and also, um, Joe Swanberg is the brother who keeps getting like he gets the arrow to the shoulder and Drake gets uh, Drake. Yes. So, um, that's Joe Swanberg, who's another these directors: Adam Wingard, Ty West, Joe Swanberg, even uh, Amy Simmons. Simmons is um, <laughs> they're all directors in this like this subgenre of films called mumblecore, which are like usually based on character driven, not plot driven, sure. uh, often improvisational sort of scripts. Um, and a lot of them sort of came into filmmaking and came into prominence at about the same time. And a lot of them are personal friends. In fact, I just recently saw yep. uh, another film by Amy Simmons, ca uh, Simmons called um, She Dies Tomorrow, which uh, I had mm -hmm. very, very strong feelings. Well, about. and as as a fog connecting point, she's also the wife in Pet Cemetery, the recent. Oh, that's right. That's right. I had forgotten that. Yes. Iteration. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, and yeah. Well, tell me, tell me, like, uh, you usually play a little close to the vest. Um, if you've seen a thing, like, what are, what's your feeling on this film? Cause I, I really had no idea. Honestly, I thought it was just, okay, you're next. Not sure. as in reads, just feed me something, but as in like, well, we're covering it cause it made the list and it's not the top right. two cause we had, we'd already covered those. Right, 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 right. So, um, the, no, honestly, this is a an incredibly fun and inventive subversion of the home invasion film. So I saw it in pretty close proximity to its release. Um, it did put Adam Wingard as a director on my radar to the degree that I, at least for a period of time, uh, sort of closely followed. What is he doing next? What's the what's the next sort of sequence or the next project on the horizon for him? Um, no, I thoroughly enjoy it. I will say it doesn't it doesn't quite. And maybe we'll get into this when we get into theme. It doesn't quite hit that level where I just completely get, you know, captivated by it and just get uh, wrapped up and super excited about it. But it is so hard to deny the fun you can have watching the way that this subverts traditional home invasion films. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and the biggest thing being so. Th so the premise of this listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, is um, this uh, young couple. Uh, the, the think kind of, uh, a, a bit of a scenario where the boyfriend is bringing home his girlfriend for dinner, uh, and to meet the family and everything. And so they come and the family is very dysfunctional. They've got a lot of like just petty arguments with each other. Lots of they shade suck. that. Yeah. They're awful to each other. And, um, so 
She's there, and then while they're having dinner, literally in the midst of dinner, dinner is interrupted by an assault from these three masked individuals, and uh, they are, you know, trying to take it's out like Chewbacca crossbow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're trying to take out family members. But what is an interesting subversion is that pretty quickly after the first sort of barrage of violence happens, Aaron is our main character. She's she's our hero. And the it is very quickly realized that she is better equipped than anybody expected to be able to survive a situation like this. Um, she can hold her own in a fight. She has some decent strategies about exactly how to navigate where they should go and what they should avoid. Uh, she can set traps, pretty effective, simple ones, uh, a la Home Alone. Um, and so she she immediately begins to prove very skilled and adept at being able to navigate effectively a situation like this. And that's part of the main subversion of this film. There's some other twists kind of coming along the way. But I remember the reason I may bring all that up not only just to catch the listeners up, but I remember when that first became clear, like when everybody's looking around at her and be like, uh, what, how do you know what to do? <laughs> like, um, it, I remember being very energized by that pivot because most of the times, even in the horror genre, there is very typically a final girl scenario. But most of the time, the final girl has just been lucky at surviving and then is thrust into a final conflict in the end. Whereas this one throws the gauntlet down very early on, like, nope, like, Aaron's instincts are kicking in, and she's about to just be this total badass to the to the situation. Um, and I remember I just, well, I just enjoyed that tremendously. What's so funny about that is, like, so you learn this information, or at least real explicitly, when she and Z are, you know, uh, setting these traps mm -hmm. and z just says how do you know how to do this and it's like we at childhood grew up on a survivalist compound and <laughs> and i was just like right okay <laughs> and i just reread i want i wanted so bad for her to be like well necessity is the mother of invention you know like <laughs> do we need do we really need the survivalist backstory no i just need a kick-ass character who is our hero and the quote-unquote final girl i don't need like, hear me, I'm not, I'm actually not punching on the movie for this. It sure, was just no, in I that moment, in that moment, I just kind of wanted it just to be because she can, you know, right. like, right. Yeah, like exactly. just, just because all of you idiots are suckers and lame and jerks to each other. And meanwhile, she's hanging out here and knows how to, how to make it happen. Like, so yeah, you, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Really, like, again, oh, absolutely. Uh, you bring up a really good point. And this doesn't need to be like an extensive conversation, but if it had been a guy doing that, it would have just been like, oh, yeah, the guy, he would yeah. have been like, well, see, I was a survivalist compound and I'm, you know, I, you know, suffered through this tragedy yeah. and whatever. It would have just been the thing that the guys do. But the fact that it's a woman doing it, the, the, there's, it's odd that there seems to need to be some sort of like layered understanding like, just of like, just explore it. Oh. Don't explain it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Take a cue, Adam Wingard, from <laughs> the fear of God. So that she'd be like, necessity is a motherfucker of invention. Wow. You know? Like, wow. like I need, I need someone in a movie to say that. Like, like she's there just hanging go. out with there the stranger <laughs> and they're like, how do you do this? But, she, and <laughs> she, it would have been even better if like, it was, how'd you learn how to do all this? 
Will you stop asking so many stupid questions? <laughs> like, <laughs> she was just like, shut up. No. <laughs> it's, and I do agree, like, it would have been a cool, strong thing for the character if she just knew how to sure. do it, just yeah. for whatever reason. But I'm, uh, I'm, but yeah, I'm picking a little bit. It's just, I wanted in that moment it to just be like, cause, cause she's sure. resourceful. Like, yeah. Like people, people can be resourceful and not grow up on off the grid, you know, Absolutely. compounds, yeah. you know, no. <laughs> I mean, not me. Not me, but people. In people my imagination, like, yeah. it could happen. You know, no, absolutely. I would be the one like with like, the arrow in the head. Why like, can't Ray just be a scavenger from Jakku and not be Palpatine's granddaughter? It doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to. Like, it doesn't have to. It you went the to. easy route. <laughs> JJ Wingard. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now I'm uh-oh. just crossing the streams. Um, <laughs> wow. Bouncing all over the place. Yes, this family sucks. They are really jerks oh, to each terrible. other. Well, what's funny yeah. is the initial scene with Crispin and Drake, the brothers, actually mm-hmm. had a good um, let's pretend for a minute that the way Drake picked on Crispin had echoes of, I don't know, people I knew's real life existence as a young brother. Right. Like, let's just pretend mm. that let's I understood Crispin's pretend. plight in that moment. I'm um, not mm-hmm. me. Someone else. Right, right, right. Purely hypothetical. A different person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in that moment, I was like, "Dang, really? That's real. That's real." So I heard that's real. <laughs> um, but so so you have that moment of verisimilitude, but then it just starts driving home. Like, oh wait, it's not that these two just have a rivalry, you know, a sibling thing. It's right. all of these people suck to each other. <laughs> Dude, they're awful. Yeah, they're really awful at it. And uh, and that is one thing that I think is... I, 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 it's funny because when all this was going on, the first time I saw the film, I kind of called that... I didn't call who it was, but I kind of called. I was like, somebody in this is in on this. Like, this is, this is all happening. This is not just like your standard home invasion scenario. Like, one of them is in on this little plot. And... Partially, that was propped up by the fact that they all had so much animosity towards each other. Um, mm-hmm. There was a certain degree of like passive affection, but for the most part, they were really being quite obnoxious to each other. And um, and so, yeah, it was. Uh, again, it's still a pretty riveting scene when you realize who is truly, you know, behind it all. Uh, it's just, it, it's kind of fun and adds to the. Um, it just just adds to the energy of it. But uh, I am yeah. curious. I am curious with a script like this, you know, how it's it's one thing to draw uh, family dynamics and, and, and write that. It's another thing, little little signals that I can't tell if we're intentional or not. So, for instance, when the dad and mom first get to the house and they walk in and the dad's like, that's funny, it's open. And then he literally just stands there and he's like, doesn't look like anyone's been here though. And it's just like, wait, wait to do the work, dad. You know, you just, you didn't even, you just called it. You're like, nah, we're good. <laughs> nothing. We're good. <laughs> nothing to see here. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. 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 No, it's all good. Mm. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was so subtle. 
but I loved it. It was, it was just, <laughs> just keep downgrading it. Like, just, yeah. keep, like, <laughs> just seeing if I catch them. <laughs> it's like your little slurps that time all the way oh, around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to be like, yeah. Spacey. Spacey. I love that Sister Amy played by, wait, is that her name? I think it is. is. Her, Maybe. And her name is actually Amy. I love, I love the buildup of her run. Oh, like it's really great because I, I really didn't know what was going to happen, but they really play it up hard. Oh, really fun. I was like, that girl's taking her earrings out. Oh, yeah. Aerodynamics. And that's the thing is like, you know, this is going to go badly. You just don't quite know exactly how. And like the whole God, does it ever go badly? (laughs) No kidding. Cow. But that, yeah, that whole slow motion run towards the doors as they're like, like open it up. And then she just, you know, runs into a garrot wire. Like, oh my Lord. Um, Piano wire. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you want? What do you want to talk about? Like, do you want you got any favorite kills? Do you want to jump into scares? Like, um, you know what? I did. I did love. It's not like a particularly, uh, you know, inventive kill, but I did love when Aaron takes out the tiger mask killer. Is that um, the throat, which, throat uh, punch? Which one is that? Uh, is that the yeah, meat tenderizer? Meat tenderizer. He comes through the window and he's like about to, you know, he about to swing the axe, but she ducks out of the way and then like clips his mm. leg and then just starts, you know, assaulting him in all the right places and getting the, you know, getting the better of him. That's actually the writer, Simon Barrett, is is playing the tiger mask killer in that um, in, in that particular scene. Uh, well, in this movie. Um, but no, that was probably like in terms of like I ha- that is probably my second favorite kill. My well, favorite kill yeah. in the film. I mean, it. it yeah. I would imagine anybody with the sensibilities we have watching this film would likely cite the brain cake. The yes, <laughs> <laughs> it all comes cake. around. Oh my gosh, that yes. was awful. It's, that was well. Actually, I loved that scene. I mean, I loved oh, sure, the close sure. quarters kitchen fight. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, you know, she is just kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that that's roughly where I texted you. I was like, you know, uh, it'd probably be like hyper irresponsible of me, but I kind of wish my kids could watch this. Cause <laughs> I'm like, hey, girls, be like her. <laughs> sign you up for karate. So, uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, that that I mean, yes, the blender to the cranium is 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 undoubtedly. because most of the kills are pretty. They are it's gory, but it's yeah. pretty traditional. You know. It's it's a throat cut. It's a yeah. now Felix killing Drake is terrible. That's, that's awful. That's awful. That's like yeah. Pin Drake, I mean, if I liked Drake more as a character, I would He's terrible. sympathize more. But like, yeah, he is an awful person. An awful Maybe one being. of the most visceral kind of moments in a while for me was Drake ducking the wire and the arrow clipping it. That's Oh, yes. That's awful. Like you, mm-hmm. I felt that when it happened. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. uh, ow. Ah. It's like that. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, well, I've got a scare. Uh, well, yeah, I got plenty of those. I'm just glancing real quick oh. at the likes, dislikes before. Um, skipping to the end a little bit, and then we can double back on scares. You know, Crispin ends up showing back up. Mm-hmm. And reveals in all caps the plan. 
similar to similar to you you there's kind of some of that you just got to forgive like what in the world um the 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 level of 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 kind of like okay whatever okay so the family members of the family set out to kill the rest of the family for inheritance like don't overthink it for me just just (laughs) that's all i really need but by the end he just keeps talking you're like okay this is just getting real convoluted (laughs) here um right and i'm the dummy who is like when felix and one of the killers square off and he tells him i'll raise your pay and did you catch that his initial pay was 200 grand uh, I don't think I did catch that. No, because then he doubles it and adds the dead assailants cut oh, to it. That's him. right. Yes, and I'm like, yes. D- don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> I don't have 200k and sitting around. I have 200,000 dollars. I don't know. thousand dollars. <laughs> that's not. That feels like not a lot of money <laughs> for what these guys have been asked to do. Like, mm-hmm. hey, will you go mm-hmm. on a full bore murder <laughs> spree for? You know, let's even say the median U.S. income of four years. Like you're going to transgress to this degree for four years worth of U.S. median income. Right. Right. That's not a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like when he yeah, said it, I course. was like, wait, how old were these guys when they wrote this and how poor were they? You know, I was <laughs> <laughs> like, go crazy. Like I'm going like, to imagine if you had like a hundred thousand. It's like Dr. Evil's one million dollars. <laughs> they all start laughing at him. <laughs> and it's like, um, like, yeah, can I can imagine them sitting there like, oh yeah, let's make it like a hundred thousand dollars. And better double that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, whoa, whoa. Okay. Let's to be you know, that that's 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 a lot, yes, but let's let's make it a little high. Let's make it a little extravagant. You know, these people are rich. Let's these people are rich, guys. Don't right. forget. Two hundred grand. Oh my gosh. Yes. When all you need oh. to do is just know. Like fifty grand, isn't that like the average household? <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, agreed, concurred. Um, I will say, say it. probably the only major thing on my scare list is I do think the visual representation of the killers in the mask is really That's effective. Great. Yeah. Some of the shots, mm-hmm. um, and and it's great. Like that one scene where he's sitting on the couch, and and it's a couple of the stalking scenes, or even some of the more aggressive shots where they're actually like attacking. It's really, really cool. I love the um, right before we didn't even mention that Barbara Crampton of Reanimator fame is in this, and she plays is that a mom. The mom? Okay. Yep. And so she, uh, you know, right before she gets taken out, she's in the bedroom, and the image of the mask sort of appears hazy yeah, in great. the reflection. It's a wonderful shot. That's when she's drinking the whatever. Yeah. Yes, and uh, no, it's it's really fantastic. So it's it's very arresting and well, effective. I'd say one of the <clears throat> one of the best images that, like, I would say it made me join poop club, but it was like <laughs> one of those like it wasn't like an immediate poop club. Is one of those you don't like kind of poop mm. club joinings is when it's like guys, you're really hurting me here, <laughs> you know, like the. the <laughs> is when it's the shot in the bedroom of the mom crying in the bed and the hand coming out oh, from under the bed that's yeah, rough yeah, yeah um yeah. let's see i loved when drake got crossbowed between the shoulder blades that was no oh, man um yeah. made me fantastic happy a little bit which is real <laughs> terrible to say <laughs> um 
I mean, I love the composition of the dining, the dinner scene into Tariq's shooting. Like that's yes. a really oh, well yes. composed scene. Well, and the fact um, that the, it holds the reveal back a little bit because he's standing there, you know, something has happened. Because yeah, the, yeah. the window is broken, but it holds back a little bit. You only see him kind of from neck down. And then when it rises up and be like, oh, there's an arrow sticking out the front of his head. That's it's yeah, it's a really effective sort of build up. And like you said, or you described uh, earlier, it's like from that reveal, it just propels into the next few minutes. Like the energy cranks up to 60 right away. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a really effective and energizing sort of moment. I do think one of the worst, one of the most gri- grisly scenes other than brain cake is uh kelly's death scene that's terrible yeah that's really it's pretty awful. rough yeah it's pretty rough yeah yeah um but no i i went through and i i itemized the, de- the kills reed i want to hear your ranking i didn't do that well i didn't rank them so maybe we should do this on a one to ten it doesn't have to be don't th- don't overthink it sure yeah I will. uh I will. Tariq getting crossbowed in the forehead one to ten uh ten being awesome sure uh, yeah. i would say i would say that's an easy seven for me okay i'll go sure. with you there because if if only for build up and although I was kind of pissed that, of course, the artist is the first one to get killed. Um, right, yeah. Drake in the shoulder blades. That's not a kill. Sis throated. I'd say that's an eight. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, that's terrible. That might even go nine for me because, yeah, that's it's awful. Yeah, it's pretty um, <clears throat> mom macheted by the cat guy. I'm going to say a five. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. Yeah. The, the build up is worse the, than the the kill. imagery after it happens is awful. But yes. the actual kill isn't that great. No. Um, Kelly gets punched through a sliding door and then gets like golf club axe to the head. That's uh, that might be a nine. That was terrible. Yeah, that's it's really awful. It might be yes nine. Well, eh, I'm gonna give it an eight because Blender. There's got to be at least two points between <laughs> Blender and the rest. <laughs> um, so, yes, eight. Uh, cat guy death by Aaron. Is that the meat tenderizer to the skull? Yes, probably. Yes, mm-hmm. that's pretty high. A, that's that's the intense. Tiger. That was a really great one. It's it's just a great fight, and like I said, uh, I I loved just the energy that Aaron brings to that scene. So yeah, I'll, I'll give that an eight. We're we're we're, we're kind of just doing eights. all of it, you know. Oh, eights for everything. Ten for yeah. Blender. Um, eight is enough. Dad, <laughs> dad from behind. Eh, six. Just yeah. just to be different. Just to be different. Um, <laughs> and because you're kind of thrown by what in the world's happening right then, like yeah, the, that's true. The Felix reveal. Uh, Drake. That's terrible. I'd I'd give that an eight and a half. Drake's death is, I mean, in terms of, you know, visceral gore is a little on the lower side, but in terms of the emotional rawness of it, yeah, yeah. I, would, I would go eight. Uh, I called the sheep mask guy Lambert. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, he gets knifed in the head by Aaron. Is he pretty fish lion? <laughs> I, I didn't think I could love you more. Uh, Asia and J Mark were so right. Like, it's a good thing that this is just digital. I, Lambert the sheepish lion. He's always Lambert, trying to be a wild and woolly sheep. I like that Lambert is like lion. uh that is that like exists in this weird subconscious <laughs> place in my brain from I'm 40 from 35 years ago. I it's it's like it's like one of those um what is it they talk about the thing you remember that doesn't actually exist. That's what it feels oh, like. Mandela and, effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The yeah. That and then great, suddenly great. I just busted out with Yeah, yeah I was like, Lambert I'm not crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's happened. Yeah, Lambert gets knifed in the head by Aaron. That's pretty straightforward kill. I'll give it a five. Um, right. uh, Tom the Wolf death by Aaron and camera flash. That's pretty effective. 
That's yes. a good, no, 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 good I sequence. I did like that a lot. Yes. Seven. Uh, I'm going to go seven yeah, on that. I will join you in your seven. Yes, agreed. Uh, Felix, I'm going to give a ten. Um, yeah, the bl- that's the blender brain. Yes, absolutely that's ten. That's awful. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, and it's so, it's like extended. Yes, it is. <laughs> he starts screaming. But you just can't look away. It. No, yeah. it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, Smoothie. Uh, <laughs> Z gets a knife to the brain. Eh, you know. <laughs> we'll give it a six for its for its proximity to Blender. Mm. Blender, Blender mm-hmm. Crispin, knife behind the ear, then the eye. He deserved it. He had that coming. Yeah. I'll, give it a, I'll give it a one because he's a <laughs> jerk. Um, Such a turd. So many, so many words just went through my head right then in that split second of what I shouldn't say. He's a, he's um, a, no, 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Jared. <laughs> um, the cop suffered a death by Kevin McAllister. Um, oh, man. If only because that was a great final button to the film. I'll give that a second. Sure was. Okay. Yeah. You know, with you. so that's, that's your next. You're next. Those are cool. Those, you're next. You're next. Um, so uh, one of the things that I, there, there is something that I'd like to just, just mention. One of the things, if I was going to ding this down, and it's the thing that keeps me from saying that I like really love it, is uh, if I was going to ding this down, is I think it is more about the style than it is about the substance. And that's not to mean that there's plenty of films I watch that have no substance to them at all, and I love them. Um, and a film like this, which is a really good sort of thrill ride, um, but it, it also kind of feels like it needs to be, this is going to be a weird thing for me to say. It feels as if it needs to be about something and then ultimately does not feel as if it's about much of anything except subverting that horror trope in some unexpected ways, which is not nothing. That's not a ding against the film, but, uh, I cannot shake the sense hope, which hopefully I've described effectively where it's like, I, I kind of want this to be about something richer, but does not feel in the moment maybe the con conversation will yield otherwise but does not feel in the moment like it is um i don't know if that resonates with you or i mean if that I, yeah i think i think even just the nature of its ending is a is a strong signal uh that hey don't overthink this um yeah, i agree now it is funny this actually this has come up in my brain pre-blending uh <laughs> multiple times in this conversation i keep forgetting to to you know blurt it out but um i would to me, this is an interesting companion piece to Ready or Not. Um, mm. They feel mm. like they're very echoey of each other, but I think sort of it what cousins. you're scratching at, Ready or Not does much better um, of of kind of setting Grace apart as a as a fully formed character right. in a way that you know. Again, I actually think your next is very competent, um, and and. That even sounds like a half-hearted compliment. Uh, I mean it as a compliment, um, but it doesn't. It kind of doesn't doesn't matter by the end. Yeah. You know, like, right. Okay. Well, that was a fun romp through mm-hmm. a murderous death spree. Well, and I would even go so far as to say, like, what you're identifying by comparing it to Ready or Not is pretty significant because, yes, Samara Weaving, another Aussie, absolutely outstanding performer in general, but. Grace in Ready or Not is so much more a fully formed character than Aaron is in this. And that you identified that, and I, I that that I think may be what it is. Is that Aaron, and maybe that's part of what I want this to be about more is because Aaron is incredibly interesting, and they write, you know, good or ill, they kind of write off her ability to do all this 
by, oh, yeah, I grew up in a survivalist compound. Okay, well, then that that, right. sort, of, that sort of settles that. That puts that to bed. When she's significant. Exposition. <laughs> right. I wonder, and I can't know because, you know, this is the film we have, but I do wonder if it had just been left at, we're not going to tell you why she's like this. If it would just ramp up the interest in her and and perhaps create a layer of things that don't necessarily um Say that again, I'm sorry. You wonder if what? If if there's a version of this film in which we don't get an explanation for why she can do this and why she can be so effective at navigating this survival scenario. If there's a version in which all we have is just she's asked, how are you able to do this? And then just brushes off the question or doesn't answer or just is never given a chance to answer. Um, I wonder if that would, for me, increase my interest in the character and if it would ultimately then reflect more interesting substantive things on the film well Um, but i don't know and what's fascinating and and i know this is a very abnormal sort of path to take for our conversations but what you're opening up in my brain other than via blender is (laughs) a a conversation about story itself and and craft of story because Mm. another another comp that's coming to mind is get out which is, yeah, yeah. you know, because, because, because something that your next doesn't do that both ready or not and get out do is establish that the character, the center character, Grace, and I can't remember his name and get out. Um, it, yeah. Uh, thanks. Right. <laughs> on that one. But, the lead characters here in both of those films, we know their presence in this scenario is a threat to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas in your next, because of the sort of soft shoe way, we kind of learn ultimately, Oh, there's they're they're terrible people that then have plotted against each other. I don't know. I don't know what I'm exactly what I'm trying to say, but from a craft standpoint, I'm not, I didn't know that Aaron was my point of view character. That's a really good point for a a little while. Yeah. And part of that has to do with that opening sequence, which is true. Utterly. uh, It's not unnecessary. They don't to me do a good enough job making it matter. I agree. So if it only nominally matters, well, now you're introducing me to, because remember, am I not right here? It's, it's the opening sequence, then mom and dad, then Crispin Mm -hmm. and Aaron. And yes. by that time, I'm trying to get my bearings on what the narrative is. Agreed. Yes. You know what I'm saying? No, Whereas I, I totally agree. When you, when you put those layers on top of each other versus, okay, ready or not, girl marries into crazy family. Mm-hmm. Get out. Uh, black man goes into uh, uh, racially charged territory. Right. For, of, of his significant others. Like, that's your hook. And that's all you need. Yes. And now I'm in. Whereas yep, this, yep. it because it takes me a while, like literally, it's probably 45 minutes before I'm fully cognizant, okay, Aaron is who I'm siding with. You're right. It, it doesn't even become clear for me, and maybe that's the energy behind it. For me, it's the moment she takes out the tiger mask killer. Like the Which is a while. That, yes, it is. Yeah. It's like nearly halfway through the film. And it's like because that is the moment that she takes ownership of the situation that's when you realize like oh she's our our anchor like you right. said the, like and and 
So if I if I were to sort of unpack what what I think the film is about, everything that you're saying is resonating so strongly with me because like that opening scene, and then they even when the mom and dad are driving through and like they they reference that house and and they're. Uh, you know, it feels like it's going to have so much more significance than it does when ultimately by the end, it was incidental to the plot right. to begin with. You know, right. I think the only justifiable reason at all for taking those characters out inside the narrative is that they wouldn't be able to provide assistance to the goings on in the house if the, if they heard a commotion and came running over or something. But I'm like, well, why take them out first or why not cross that bridge when you come to it or something? It's like there's so many other ways that they could have gone to substantiate it more that they just don't choose to do. Um, and well, so and you're, anyway. You're, yeah. And I, I, we can hang out here if we want. It's kind of fun. Like why the scene between Z and Aaron sticks out like a sore thumb is it's exposition too late. And mm-hmm. and like if you think about it, think about get out and ready or not, you know within seven minutes the enough about uh daniel kalua's character and samara weaving's character to know one they're our point of view and two what their sort of role is Mm -hmm. in whatever is next yes but when you don't think about with your next and i i actually really enjoyed it it was a lot of fun by the end of it i was like that was fun that was cool you know but it's kind of empty calories too because empty calories is a great descriptor for this film you know when you start with an a a scene that's not rooted when you then jump to another scene of characters we we haven't met and don't know and have no connection to one i was like those people are too young those actors are too young to be crispin's parents you know, but then mm-hmm. you cut to Crispin and Aaron and he's talking about the parents. I'm like, surely he's not referring to the people we just met. <laughs> the amount of work I had to do to kind of figure out who these people were right. was a lot. Right. And, yes. and, and honestly, this is all just coming to me as we're talking about it. It wasn't like, Oh, here's me psychoanalyzing this movie and no, sure, here's what you should have done. But if you, if you just drop me with Crispin and Aaron, automatically you've cast a non-American actor and told them to not play American in terms right. of accent and what, okay, well that's going to stand out. It is the grace in by herself. It is the black man towards with a white significant other scenario. Like it's, it's a, it's a distinguishing factor that's going to stand out. Mm-hmm. And so automatically, if that's the couple I'm starting with now, I know I don't, I don't, maybe I don't know that it's her. I'm going to end up, being along for the journey with, but at least know, okay, these are my focal characters, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, you know, you could make a case. Oh, well, we're keeping you on your toes with that beginning scene. Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I agree. It it still has to be intentional besides it. It it, it has to have more intentionality besides just economy. Like it, it can't, it can't just be, Oh, we're setting the stage, uh, you know, for mood or tone because there's so many other ways you could do that. Um, now that having been said, um, I, I, I don't want to give the impression with those. I just, I so love and think I, I so appropriate to land on. Like it is, this is an empty calories movie, tasty, fun, like whatever, like y- you're going to have a good time. But if you're of the mind that you want to kind of, think on and reflect on things after the fact you're probably not going to find much here right. 
if there is anything to sort of gleam away, it is in the fundamental kind of conceit of the premise because it is a late pivot reveal that the it's about a mid pivot reveal that uh, Z and uh, what's the other brother's name Felix uh, Blenderbrain uh, that it <laughs> that they are the ones who orchestrated this. Uh, they've hired killers to come in and kill their family so that they could collect the inheritance. So they could be the survivors of this home invasion scenario and then collect the inheritance from their parents. Um, it is a very late, like, next-to-last scene reveal that Crispin, the boyfriend of our main character, is also in. Another brother. On the, yeah. Yes, another brother. And he's also in on that plot. Um, and so there is something that you could sort of give lip service to, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to downplay the theme itself, but I'm going to say it in such a way that's like, yes, we could talk about it, but the film does little more than just give lip service to it. And that is the fact that he, um, is sort of choose the way I would phrase it is he would, he's choosing material progress, material gain over relationship in the literal. Like, he's, he's literally, we are going to hire hitmen to kill our family so that we can collect the inheritance. That's that's literally all it is. Just and, to, I'm glad they didn't say that out loud at the beginning of the movie, because I might have been like, that's dumb, y'all. <laughs> so, so. No, thank you. <laughs> so, but, um, but I feel like that's the, again, the film does little other than give lip service to that. Um and uh, and so because of that, it's like, yes, that's a theme that's interesting to me. But in fairness, I don't think it's interested that the film is interested in it um, because it just doesn't substantiate it very much. They are just greedy. Well, I don't even know. I don't even want to call them greedy. Presumably because they live there, they are like wealthy and well off. I don't have a sense that Felix and Z are like desperate for money. I don't get the sense that Crispin is like desperate for money. They just want they're they're like, you know, pre-prodigal sons. They just want their inheritance now, you know. Right. But but you don't get the the pathos associated with them. And that to me might classify this film in a way that has come up a couple of times recently, like most specifically I'm thinking of identity, where it's like maybe the film is really just a fun subversive gimmick. And is meant to just be that, like, just sort of d- turn off your brain, you know, like open up the blender, put it in, like, just let <laughs> that be what the film <laughs> does to you. Um, and again, I don't want to be reductive against it um, because I think it's a really good time. But I think that is about as much as there is to the meat and potatoes of of what the film is about. But I don't know if you I don't know if you wholeheartedly agree with that or not or half heartedly agree with it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, I, I agree. It's pretty <laughs> um, I, something that came to me that's not too dissimilar from what you're describing. For some reason, the word pragmatism keeps jumping out at me. I can't remember if Crispin mm-hmm. actually uses that or think practically or some version, some uh, yeah. iteration of that word at the end, because what I came away with was, what happens when all we do is serve the pragmatic, you know, at, at the expense of, of those around us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not just 
uh, um, the ones maybe that we know our pragmatism could harm, right? But also those we don't even intend harm to by our pragmatism. And I'll, I'll be, you know, when I say pragmatism in this context and to make it real life is like, okay, well, you know, when, when all you're doing is serving, this is a super random example, but it's the most illustrative that's coming to me in the moment. Uh, a, a non-social media as in, in real life person I encounter occasionally, we, we, it does not serve us to get into any sort of conversation about political matters or whatever, because and I'm thinking specifically of the season of, um, you know, when our government was separating families and locking kids in cages, that particular season that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and this comment that would come up in these contexts and in these conversations of, you know, well, breaking the law or it's the law or these types of conversations where it's like, okay, pragmatically speaking, it's, it's just the law. It's just the law read. Like they broke the law. It's like, okay, well, you know, what happens when we utterly, and yes, I am inflating much more out of the movie than is there, but all Crispin is after is just, well, all it was, was X like, yes, I knew this outcome would happen, but I was doing it to sort of serve my own ends or because he does say, you know, you know how broke we are or something like that. Like, Oh, that's right. He does say that. He does. You know, so, so the point being when to meet your needs, whether it's serving a worldview or, you know, accommodation and convenience, like the way our narrow vision can be extremely hazardous to those around us. Anyway, again, I I really, at a certain point, I'm going to say, Nathan, this movie isn't that interested in anything that you're trying to bring up here. So (laughs) it it just really isn't. So I don't want to overinflate what's there but it was just the kernel of of what kind of spoke to me by the end of it and then that cop yeah. gets axed to the brain and like oh, okay y'all don't care either <laughs> right right yeah i mean and 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 that is there's goodness there is a place for things like that and we've had you know we've had discussions about films that are in that same sort of arena we've 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 had the films that are really substantive and they are about what they're about in very interesting ways We've also had things that purely almost unrelated to the film, you and I have sort of latched hold of and then run with, and then, uh, you know, admitted that the film itself probably wasn't really about that. And then we've had other ones like this, and I think it's a perfectly acceptable category. It just, it just arises sometimes that there are films that have the seeds of particularly interesting ideas and then has no interest in either in the development of them or in the execution of them in seeing them through to their or know, even full... that they quite knew yeah they were correct. yes conjuring yeah. that somehow no no correct because i think as i think about the construction of the film it all feels like they were trying and i will say most times succeeding to be very very clever yeah and so they just want to be effectively clever and to that end I feel like they do a good job. Do they? Is there much more to it beyond that? I don't know. And so, um, I, I mean, I don't know about I'm you, good. but let's do it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think so. So before we even get into this, I would even say, like, listeners, if you enjoy your next, and you're sitting there like, read Nathan. Oh my gosh, why it's didn't right you talk there. about this? Like a blah, piano blah, blah, blah. wire right in front of you. Then. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're running headlong and you're just about to get garroted <laughs> right into the thing. So, but, um, it, you know, if you're in that camp, you know, sharing is caring. Email us, share it on the show, let us hear, let, you know, let's hear about it. But we are going to move to the fog meter, our very specific metric of They're fear actually probably and impressed and proud of us. <laughs> For These guys get so spun up so often over the dumbest <laughs> things. Uh, you know, coming in under an hour 45, we're good. Like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, we are, fog meter is our very specific metric of fear in God, where we rate the scares and the substance of the films, uh, or any of the material that we cover, frankly. Um, and so I'll go first with fear. I mean, there's some pretty effective kills. I mean, we ranked them. I would say on just, the imagery of the mask alone uh, and the effectiveness of some of those shots earns it at least a five uh, for me on the fear factor. So I'm uh, so I think that's I think that's where I'm going to land. I'm going to land at a five for it on fear. Um, I'll actually give a little more uh, hedge here for just the schlock factor and just ah, kind of yeah. not knowing what I was getting and all of a sudden being like, oh my god, you know that mm-hmm. dinner scene raises the raises the energy pretty substantially and then it's just kind of a roller coaster from there so um uh, i'm gonna be nice and give it a seven on okay. the on the scare factor what would you give it for its god meter its substance um a two <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. why I sort of was generous with the, <laughs> with the scare sure, factor. sure i understand and and you know what i'll go i'll actually join you in your two because i feel like that's the you know if there are things that i want I even was thinking, because, you know, Letterboxd is, like, you know, one of my new standards for, like, how I rate these things. And and I was like, I had a really good time, but something was keeping me from giving it, like, a, you know, a super high rating. I gave it, well, it I give out a lot of uh, fours when I just have a really good time, and it's it's the four and a halfs or the fives for when I really uh, appreciate a thing. I'm going to join you on your two for the God Meter, because I gave it, like, a four on Letterboxd. It couldn't quite pivot up. Is Letterboxd five? A letterbox is out of five, yeah. yeah. And I just, uh, I, I didn't quite, it didn't quite push over the edge. And that means that we give, on the fog meter, out of ten, we give it a four. Um, and uh, that is, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit on the lower end for us, but I think that's appropriate given what the film gives us. The more prescient question at the moment is, would you recommend your next? Um, For not knowing what I was getting, and for my sort of dislike of the first five minutes uh yeah i i actually i think i think once it clicks into place and it clicks into place much sooner in the runtime than i was expecting um it just kind of never lets foot off the gas and by the end of it um i texted you some version of that was a lot of fun um yeah for for pure just like our fans, you don't want something too deep. You don't want something too offensive, uh, but fun and, and kind of raucous in its horror delivery. I personally, I think you can easily skip the first maybe six or seven minutes of the film and not miss a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, like there's nothing blatantly offensive in those first few minutes. It's just pointless nudity uh, mm-hmm. for, for what literally feels like the sake of it. And that yeah, I don't would, would feel like a strong accusation I'd make, but it feels like you guys, I don't even know what you know, that you know what you're doing other than being sophomoric here. So yeah, skip the first half a dozen minutes and just jump to the meeting, the actual characters. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, with pretty much all of the same caveats in place, I do recommend it. Um, I think I just keep going back to it was, you know, 
a perfect identifier. It's empty calories. So, I mean, like if we've been going through on this show in this year, we've been going through really heavy material and weighty, you know, just a, and, and it's coming again when we go into leftover season three. So if you need a break from something <laughs> yeah. like that and you're just you need like, a brain break. You're just, you're just like, yeah, so then this will give you a brain break and a brain blend. I mean, like, yeah. just like, just go ahead and, and, and it is fun. Like, I think that's the thing is, is it's a very, very fun film. Um, and, uh, I, I don't disagree. The first, you know, six or seven minutes don't really add much to the proceedings. So skip those and just have a blast for the rest of the time. If you, for some reason, haven't seen it and you've made it all the way through here, we have spoiled a lot of it. But I don't think in such a way that will really hinder or harm your general yeah. enjoyment of it because it's, yeah. it's, it really is a lot of fun. So that puts uh, this installment of 2020-2020, uh, particularly your top favorite horror films of 2011, in the books. Now, uh, voting is closed for this, but next week we are going to be spending one more week in 2020-2020. We are going to be covering the year that Nathan loosely referred to earlier that I said is very shrift on substantive horror films. Uh, it's actually a really weak year for horror, particularly compared to some of these other lists we've had. But 2012, um, be prepared to hear your countdown of the top 10 favorite horror films of 2012 and prepare yourself for a film uh, a bit out of the box for us and for the show called Chronicle, directed by Josh Trank and starring uh, Michael B. Jordan, who is the most famous name among them, but a couple of other really strong players. Uh, seek out Chronicle, Directed by Josh Trank. Uh, prepare yourself for that for next week. Nathan, as always, thank you so much for having a really, really fun conversation with me that uh, just uh, really was was a nice little button to the end of my day. I really appreciate We're it. good. And thank you. Thank you. And uh, listeners, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me read Lackey write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.